Morning. Good to see you all. Are we all ready for September? Yes. A few grumbles here and there. Some parents going, yes! Kids go back to school. And some teachers going, ha ha ha. We've been following uh, James uh, over the last, oh, goodness knows how long now. And um, it's it's just always a privilege to go through a book, uh, really. And I know a lot of people have, have fed back, been really blessed by going through James in this in this way. And um, this morning, uh, James's final uh, part, the parting note in this letter to this young church. Uh, and um, I believe has been been beneficial to us all. And I'm going to read this whole transcript of scripture. I'm going to use one of the church Bibles. Um, So if you want a Bible, we are allowed to give them out. If you like one, if not, follow on your phone or just listen to my dulcet tones, uh, whichever one uh, you'd like to go with. So James 5, 7 to 20. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessing those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, or you'll be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? They should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of God. Not enough Anglicans in here to say thanks be to God, but that's okay. You did write thank you at the back there, that's cool. Um, (laughs) Two big parts really to to this final uh, part in shot from James. Um, and it's, it starts off in verse 7, I'm just going to move this, starts off in verse 7 with that call to be patient. <laughs> Not a patient, but to be 
patient. Between verses 7 and 12, James says seven times to be patient, to wait and endure. We don't like that, do we? We don't like to be patient. We don't want to wait. We don't want to endure. I want it now, now, now. And we live in that world that gives us now, now, now. So actually to be patient, to wait, to endure, even as adults we struggle with that. Toddlers, forget it. (laughs) Absolutely forget it. We want it now. But James is saying be patient. And he's saying to wait and be patient for the return of Jesus, to the return of our Lord. He uses the reference of farmers, which I find quite interesting having come back off holiday in Norfolk and seeing, probably as most of you have been on holiday and seen in the UK, farmers' fields ready, ready to be harvested. Where we were staying in Norfolk, we would drive around to where we were going or have a little walk if I was able, and we'd see this one truck going round with this farmer in and he'd be stopping and he'd be pulling up and he'd be going into his field and he'd be breaking an ear of corn or wheat or barley off and he'd just be going through it and looking at it throw it on the ground get in a truck and drive away and we were like not yet (laughs) not yet and we see him the next day in a field a little bit further away and it would do exactly the same And he'd do this process over and over again whilst we were watching, kind of like, and we were like, not yet. And we we started to look at the weather map. (laughs) Is it going to rain? Is he going to miss it? Is he going to miss the opportunity? And then at some point, we don't know, all we heard was this rumbling of a combine harvester just off in the distance in a field. And that combine harvester didn't stop for about 48 hours all the way through the night, just gathering up this harvest. And we would go out in, like, during the day and then we'd just see that, that cornfield, that barley field that was once standing high and everyone was like, let's run through it for fun. Um, like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, all of a sudden was nothing but just stubble. That was the right time. But he was patient. This farmer was patient. It takes time for things to grow. It takes time for a kettle to boil. You can't make it boil any quicker than what it goes with the scientific way that water boils. You can't make it. It takes time for a bud to bloom. Thank you for the flowers this morning and every week. They're wonderful. But it took time for this to grow, to then be able to be something that we could look at in beauty. And it takes time for faith to grow. And James is saying, be patient, specifically for the Lord's return, but be patient. And we must be patient, patient for the Lord's coming. Not inactive, like a train passenger, but patient and active to see his kingdom grow. And in verse 8, James goes on to say, do not grumble against each other. Love that word, grumble. (laughs) Something I need to use that word a lot more, I think. Not to do it, but just use it in general life. But do not grumble against each other. I looked at this a few weeks back, that we're not to quarrel. We're not to kind of have that grumbling nature, that judging nature, but to encourage and lift one another up. From verse 10 
James uses the example of the prophets who endured and persevered. James is encouraging these uh, young Christians in this church, as I've spoken before in James, uh, this young church, to encourage them to remember back these prophets that you've read about, that you've read about in synagogue, that you've heard of, that you've got this Torah that you can read. Look at the Old Testament that they had. Read back and be encouraged and look at Job. Job's one of those passages in the Bible that we kind of, I don't want to be depressed, so I'll steer clear of that one. But actually, as you read the book of Job, you really start to see the faith of someone in perseverance when he is afflicted, when he is going through the worst of times. And James is kind of like using Job as an example to say, I know what you're going through is pretty tough. Let's compare it with Job and be encouraged. Be encouraged to persevere. Whilst many of us have suffered and persevered recently, we look at Job and thank God for our small part of suffering. That's not to make light of anything any of us have gone through. Myself, Heather, whoever it might be. We've all gone through stuff. That's not to make light of it. But it actually, I believe, helps bring perspective. Perspective for what we go through. Job went through hell on earth. Literally, if you read Job and you keep reading Job, it's just hell on earth for him. Everything taken away. His entire family destroyed. His entire livestock, his, his, his businesses destroyed. And then his health Then he gets full of boils and sores and everything else. And then he's got some friends who turn up and they grumble and moan about God and kind of persuade him to go against God and everything else like that. And you kind of keep reading it and you're thinking, wow. And then God just says to Job, stand there and take this like a man. It's those moments you're kind of like going, oops. (laughs) I think Job overstepped the line there. And then God gives this whole... um, lot of evidence of saying, this is who I am. I am God. I am God. Who are you to come against me and challenge me? And it's at that point, I think, there's that realisation for Job, is just like, you are God. And in that recognition, in that understanding, God restores everything to Job. And maybe some of the things that we've gone through, maybe we haven't got everything fully restored. In glory we will, we will have. We'll have everything restored. But God wants to restore that grace and mercy in our lives so that we may be able to pour that out to others. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, which then goes on to produce hope. And hope does not disappoint. And that's Romans 5. Just a little side note from James here in in verse 12. Notice that James says, Above all, do not swear by heaven, earth, or any other oath. Simply put, don't swear on your mother's grave or anything like that. Just be honest. 
just be honest. Let your yes be yes. Your no be no. Honesty and transparency are the factors that James is talking about to this young church. And it's also for us as well. When we say we're going to do something, let's do it. If we say we can't do something, be honest. Say, I can't do that. Don't be like, yeah, I can do that. And then, no, I don't want to do it. Just, it's just simple stuff. And I feel there's actually a few things. I've been away with my father-in-law the last part of the week, uh, who's, who's coming to speak in a few weeks' time, which is brilliant. Um, and, and we were just talking about being a Christian and, and, and everything that's kind of... And you, for those of you that know Bob, you know where he's at with this kind of stuff and, 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 and where we're possibly coming in our date of Jesus' return, etc., etc. It could be imminent, who knows? Um, but we were just saying there's a few things that we are really noticing that Christians are starting to bring into their lives that aren't of God. More and more. As the enemy increases in what he's trying to do, we need to increase in what God does in our lives. Simple things. Fingers crossed. It'll be all right. Oh, good luck. I can't do fingers crossed on this hand, but that's another thing. (laughs) Who laughed too much there? It's just simple little things, some little superstitious things that kind of come into our lives that, that, that the world is kind of like doing, and we kind of imbibe that. We've got to be really careful. You know, as, as, as Heather was saying, you know, during COVID, we've kind of like got anxious and fearful and worried about this, and actually we weren't concentrating, and we don't concentrate enough on what God is doing, on his word. So it's just like... A, Good luck in your exams. I don't believe I ever said that to any young person. Good luck in your exams. I hope I didn't. For any young people that are they're all upstairs, so. <laughs> Did I, Oliver? No, thank you. But it's just one of those things that I think we've just got to be really careful about, these little things that come into our lives. And there are other practices that maybe we've been drawn into Uh, that we need just to check with our spirit and God's spirit um, to see if they are of God. But I think that's probably for another day, otherwise I will completely go off tangent. At this point, James turns to prayer. No, that's the wrong one. Go back in. He turns to prayer. And we've heard this morning an awesome testimony of what happens when we pray. Not just Heather's prayers, not just Christian prayers, but but all of us. We all have been praying. In verse 12, he uses two examples. Sorry, verse 13, actually. Um, It says, if any of you is in trouble or suffering, pray. Simple as that, pray. Those that are suffering, pray. Those that are cheerful, interesting that you brought up that psalm. Those that are cheerful, James says, let him sing songs of praise. That's what we've done this morning. Sing, rejoice, thank God. We don't do enough of it in our lives. 
for those who are sick to call the elders to anoint with oil and pray. And actually, after communion, um, we've agreed as elders that we'd like to do that. If, if anybody would like to be anointed with oil and we would pray for you, um, for, for any sickness, whatever it is, that's what we want to do this morning. Let's do what James is saying. And we don't have to do it after a service or anything else like that. If anyone is sick, and uh, cool. Roger, Roger's, Roger's on the ball when it comes to the pastoral care of the church. And, and nothing more uh, pleases us as leaders. He's actually when he says, could you come and pray for me? Anoint me with oil, please. I still remember Andy Gowland's story of, of asking to be anointed with oil. I had the whole chuffing lot thrown over him. Everything, give it to me, everything. Just dripping with oil. I wasn't there at the time, but I like to say that story because it makes me laugh. <laughs> and I just think, yeah, why not? Be anointed with oil. James does not limit those who can pray for you, though, just to elders. Okay? He also says in verse 16 to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And confession and forgiveness seem to be really intertwined with the scriptures, I believe, here. I know when I've messed up, I need to confess. To put things right with God. And sometimes I've shared that with others that I trust. And they can continue to pray for me. I'm left a little bit baffled sometimes when I hear of a Christian brother or sister who has actually got something against another Christian brother or sister. It baffles me when I read scripture that we can do that. I'm not judging because I point the finger back at me as well. It's so... It's so easy, isn't it, to, to criticise somebody or, or pick somebody up on something. And it just you just harbour that kind of little bit of bitterness t- towards that person because they didn't do a job properly or I could have done it better or whatever it might be. And James says back in verse 9, do not grumble against one another. We've got to stop grumbling <laughs> about others. See, I've used that word a lot more in the last few minutes than... We've got to. I mean, whether it's a right theology or not, but I actually do think that there's a, there's, there's a form of unforgiveness that's starting there. We're constantly grumbling about that person that does that thing. Oh, and it really winds me up and it's just frustrating. It's just sowing that, that tiny little seed of doubt, of bitterness. But we have to be careful. I, when I came across this passage of scripture and, and um, as a young man, it kind of like really, really made me stop in my tracks. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a 
powerful passage of scripture. One that I don't think we pick up enough on. This scripture is directly after Jesus teaches us how to pray, being the Lord's Prayer. And I think actually it will be good to say that when we have communion, collectively. In confessing to one another and praying for one another, James says we will be healed because the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And I have always wondered about when I pray for people or people, am I righteous? Am I in a righteous frame of mind to be praying for this person? Because five minutes ago, I was throwing everything I could at Tottenham's front line because they couldn't score. (laughs) Okay, that's a stupid little example. But actually, you know what I mean? Five, ten minutes ago, we are having these thoughts against somebody in the church. And then we just got a text come through to say, please pray for me, I'm in a bit of a dire situation. Okay, I'll do that. Are we righteous when we pray for one another? I read a book by an American pastor who's big into to healing and seeing people healed and whether you know, we've got different theologies and understanding on how God does that. And one of the things that he, um, in his experience of, of seeing, was he probably saw 5 to 10% of people that came to him for prayer that were actually healed. The 90 to 95% went away not healed. And he said it was, he feels it was based on unforgiveness. He would go to people and he'd say, I'm, I'm not going to pray for you. She sounds weird for a pastor to say, no, I'm not going to pray for you. He says, I want you to go away and I want you to go through any unforgiveness that you have in your life. Anyone that's upset you, parents, somebody at school when you were five or six berated you and you've hated them ever since. Go and forgive them. Go and forgive them. And he uses an example in this book of these four ladies with, with arthritis. And I'm not saying that, that you know, we need to do this in order to cure all things. That's what, you know, prayer is an amazingly wonderful and strange thing when it comes to healing. But he told these ladies that he's not going to pray for them until they go away and deal with their stuff. And a few weeks later, I don't know how long it was, months it might have been, he notices he was just talking to these ladies in church and none of them were stooped over. None of them had aches and pains or anything else like that. They were just talking to him and he said, you don't need me to pray for you anymore. No, it's amazing. He went home, dealt with all the issues that I'd been holding on to for my entire life of parents and schooling and whatever someone had said about and just decided to forgive them all and just say, Lord, I'm at your mercy. They were healed. Now, I don't know the, the, the ins and outs and all of that, and I, I, I can't be saying, well, if you do this and that, but there are things, I think, that are key in Scripture that we do need to confess. We do need to seek forgiveness of things that have gone on in our lives. Again, just at the end of this passage, James uses the prophet Elijah 
as an example, an encouraging example of someone who was righteous when it came to prayer. Now we may feel that we could never be like Elijah, and I always find Elijah's story amazing and, and, and just like, yeah, that's, that's like any of us, where we see God do amazing things, where God sets fire to pretty much anything that's covered in water, just destroys it, he sees it. And then when he finds out that Jezebel's not too happy about that and wants to kind of hunt him down and fight, you know, get him, he just legs it. He goes and hides. We're weird as human beings. <laughs> we can see God do amazing things. Like the children of Israel saw God do amazing things that yet still say, you've led us out into the wilderness to die. We're thirsty, we're going to die. We've set up a golden calf when Moses is up the mountain because he must be destroyed by God. We're fickle, but God still loves us. I think that we can have the power that Elijah uh, had through confession, through forgiveness, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's all accessible to us. And James's final word as we look out uh, for those who have wandered from the truth. There seems to be a bit of a blessing uh, bestowed upon the person that brings them back. Um, And I wonder if actually, as the the band come up and we're going to spend some time in communion, that maybe we could do a couple of things as we approach the Lord's table. And during this song, next song, I'm going to pray in a minute and we have a song to prepare us for this amazing gift that we've been given to remember, we need to deal with some things in our lives. Unforgiveness. Let's confess. If there's anybody that has upset you or wound you up, forgive them. And if there's anybody you know that's wandered from the truth, that has wandered from church, that has wandered from knowing Jesus, their first love. Pray for them as we take communion. Pray for them. Because it's amazing here where it says, and I've always, always, always questioned this time at the last little passage, says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow. I'd like to go into the theology of that a little bit more. But if that's what James is saying here, you know, let's, let's be praying as we, as we take communion in a bit for ourselves, for confession and forgiveness, and also for those that have wandered. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for James. I want to thank you for his letter. I want to thank you, Lord, for the way that it can inspire us over 2,000 years later. And Lord, I pray for each and every single one of us that your spirit would examine us deeply to see if there's any unforgiveness. Father, that we can say that we can be a person who prays righteously. As we pray for people, Father, we would see healing. That's what we want to do. Nothing more than anything. Lord, we just want to see people healed. 
And I pray, Lord, as we deal with the stuff in our own lives, that you would use us powerfully to pray for one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.